Um, we, we have it set up with a, a high performance pay scale. We set this up as a career job um, where they're going to make more working for us than if they went out on their own because we do all the business side for them. They get to do the fun side of just teaching, but we pay them well for it. And they see that. They see it. They appreciate it. They see the value. And uh, why would they go? Ladies and gentlemen. Hi, everybody. Good evening. Are you ready? Keep this frequency clear. I know you're going to dig this. I am. Okay, here we go. Check, check it out. You're listening to the Martial Arts Media Podcast, where you, the martial arts school owner, gets insider tips and secrets from leading experts to help you build a more profitable martial arts business. Now, here's your host, the founder of MartialArtsMedia.com, George Faree. This podcast is the audio version from a video interview that took place on martialartsmedia.com. For the full video, the full interview, and to download the transcript, please go to martialartsmedia.com forward slash 62. So that's the number 62. Awesome. Enjoy the show. Hi, this is George Free, and welcome to another Martial Arts Media Business Podcast. Today I'm speaking with Robin De Palma Rowe, and Robin is the wife of Kiyoshi Fred De Palma, um, who's from De Palma's Karate and MA First, also hosting the main event in San Diego in April next month. So we're going to have a bit of a chat. And uh, we, we had a bit of a laugh before starting this conversation. Um, how would you refer your position in the organization, Robin? I call myself the vice president of the organization. And uh, my husband's the president, and then we all know that the vice president is the one who does all the work. So, <laughs> so we, we, we laugh and we say, he married well. He married well. All right. <laughs> all right. And Fred, Fred's, of course, in Thailand right now, so um, he's no way to defend himself in this conversation. <laughs> so, so, this, so this will be fun. <laughs> Right, so look, Robin, I guess we should start right at the beginning. Um, who is Robin the Palmer Row? Um, so I started in this company or in this business 21 years ago, and it's actually um, when, I met, when I met Fred, uh, a month before we got married, I thought, you know, I don't know anything about martial arts. I should probably start training and at least have an idea of what martial arts is all about. And uh, when we got married, he didn't want me to have anything to do with his school. He wanted to be able to come home. And when he came home, he could leave work behind, dinner would be on the table, house is spotless, you know, that perfect uh, fairy tale life. And, uh, and the joke was within the first two months, I said, well, you married the wrong person. <laughs> That's what you wanted. <laughs> um, so I think it took about two months uh, to start working at the school. But I started as janitor and gopher. And uh, so I was cleaning the school and running errands and go for this, go for that. <laughs> and... Uh, then I think what, what made us both realize what my potential was, was uh, when I started the cardio kickbox program. Um, so I get, we've been married only about six, it was within the first year of being together. Um, and uh, I'd been training martial arts, I, was, I think I was purple belt at the time, and uh, uh, Taibo had just come out. And, and I was always into fitness, I wanted to be a personal trainer, I was into the fitness side, and I said, you know what, I think I could do that cardio kickbox thing, uh, would you let me try it? He's like, 
okay, you know, give it a shot. He knew, you know, I had the fitness background for it and, and could run with it. And, um, and boy, did I run with it. So within, uh, I don't know how long it took, but uh, not too long, I had 700 cardio kickbox members training under me. And uh, I was teaching two, three classes a day, uh, running to different locations, teaching them all over the place. And I think that's where we both saw, you know, that this is kind of fun working together and, and what I'm capable of doing. And, and, uh, and then all of a sudden he went from one school to six schools. And uh, we had a lot of uh, young guys running the school, so we needed a, a strong program director. So I got to then go be program director at six different locations. It was at two different locations every night doing intros there, uh, doing enrollments over the phone, doing follow-ups with people at all the locations, you know, from wherever I was from. And so I don't know how many people can say that they've been a program director of six schools all at once. But uh, that was a, uh, that was fun. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that was my, kind of my working up. And then, um, and then I moved up to assistant instructor um, at our biggest location. While, while still doing program directing at the one location as we started to get the other schools established. And, uh, and then uh, a few years, I don't know, probably, I, I think, I believe I was a black belt when I started to run my own school. And so we had a location where the manager uh, needed to move on to other things. And so I got to go fill in the head instructor manager position. And um, at that location, that was our most profitable location ever, besides what my husband had done. And, uh, so I, I, I ran that school for about five or six years and then built it up and at that point sold it to my head instructor and then it, that's where we decided multiple locations we were going to start franchising and I, I moved to the corporate office side then to help him run and oversee everything. So it's kind of like how to work my way up. I, I worked every job on the way up, learned how to do everything, did everything well, you know, then moved up to running my own school and then worked up to the corporate position. So it's kind of the same thing you do in any career. It start at the bottom and then work up to the corporate position and then that's where I got to help oversee everybody and uh, it's been fun uh, in addition to us doing it together we have our, our boys who who work it with us um, our oldest son manages one of our schools now and so it's fun to watch him excel and you know and watch what he's developed into and what he continues to develop into and uh, so overseeing all the schools right now I oversee their marketing, the staff training, putting the events together, activities. I watch their numbers, the deposits, um, their pro shop orders, you know, everything. And I think the biggest thing I've learned the past couple years is watching the different dynamics at each location and how different personalities work together. So my biggest thing now has been how to put proper teams together to get the best results. So, quick summary there. Quick summary. Okay, so that, that sparks a lot of questions. <laughs> I, I guess yeah. just, just to start, how do you handle the, the family dynamics? As you mentioned, it, was, it wasn't a planned thing to keep it in the family like it, like it did, but that's what it's really grown into, and it obviously works by the results that you're getting. So how do you manage the whole family dynamics within the business? Um, and it was, it was a kind of trial and error as we came up through it. Um, you know, I, I'm one, I don't like to stay at home, so I don't think it would have worked for me to be a stay-at-home mom anyway. Uh, but as the kids were growing up, I started to realize, you know, you work at karate school at night, well, that's when your kids are home from school. So how do you mesh that to where you actually see your children? And um, number one, I always had helpers, uh, part-time nannies that would come and help when they were little. And then uh, when they got to be about the age of eight, 
uh, we'd let them actually come work in the karate school with us. So we'd give them little jobs. We'd have them run concession stands at belt exams and tournaments and let them earn money doing that and uh, taught them how to we made them purchase their inventory and then taught them about profit and loss, you know, and, and sometimes they wouldn't sell enough and, and would be upside down in their sales. And then other times, you know, they'd make the profit and they'd be excited. And then they got to where they'd actually hire staff to run their store for them and they'd pay their staff a few bucks. And so they'd still get to make their money <laughs> and then give the staff a little bit and, and have people run their store for them. But um, we were really fortunate that our boys wanted to be part of this. And I think what, what helped with that was that we we never just said, well, you need to just help out because it's the family business. We always gave them specific jobs and assignments and paid them for it and let them earn yeah. earn things, and work towards things. Um, so that's what it's just been a lot of fun doing this as a family. You know, it's a family environment anyway. And then raising them up, they've got strong work work ethics. Um, they they know how to count money. They know how to work a cash register. They know how to talk to people. They know how to talk to adults. They know how to be respectful to adults. Um, I just look at all of the, the attributes that they have, that they're way beyond the other kids their age with doing that. So it's been, it's been a real blessing to do that. Wow, that's, that's awesome. So that's, that's got to be a lot of knowledge getting passed on um, in a very systematic way. And I like that how you gave them control in little increments of handling their own stock and handling their own money and obviously the interaction and learning how to deal with people. That's, that's fascinating. So how do you, now, Robin, you mentioned you went from one to six schools. Now I'm assuming, <laughs> I'm assuming there was a, there was a, a lot of progression and obstacles within that one to six. Uh, you mind elaborating on that a little more? Yeah. This is another funny one. <laughs> so, so my husband and I only dated four months before we got married. And uh, lucky we were the right ones for each other. We've been married 21 years now. Uh, we dated four months. I met him. He had one school. By our first anniversary, we had six schools and a baby. And I just looked at him and I said, you either loved me or hated me. I don't know which one. <laughs> so, it, it was, he, uh, he's from Connecticut. When he originally opened in Connecticut in 1986, um, he had four schools in Connecticut and realized um, probably five years into it that, uh, you know, this was a good profession. This is what he was going to do, but he'd rather live in a better, warmer environment. And so he traveled the country for a year to figure out where he wanted to live, ended up here in Arizona where the weather's nice, and um, decided he was only going to have one school when he moved here. And so he opened his first school in Arizona in 1992. And then we got married in 1997. So from 92 to 97, he did really good with just that one school. But I think it was just eating out his brain that whole time. <laughs> and then, I, I don't know, maybe now that he was married, he felt either he had support or he needed a reason to get out of the house. Again, I don't know which one. <laughs> he, he opened five schools, five more schools in that first year all, all at once. Um, and really, I think the real reason behind it is by now being out here five years, he had staff developed. Like he had, he had people developed that were ready to do it. And, uh, you know, one school can only offer jobs to so many people. And so by opening multiple locations, that gives a lot more people the opportunity to do this as a job. Got it. So what's, what's the biggest step you got to take transitioning from the first school to the second school? Um, first thing is, is it's hard to own two. 
you really need to own three if you're going to have multiple schools. Because um, that's where a lot of people go wrong is they think they're going to duplicate what they do in a second school, but you're only one person. So you can't be at both places. And so you'll end up leaving the one school to go put all your energy into the other, and then your original is going to drop. And then you put the energy into the other, that one grows. But then you see the original drops, you run back to save that, and then the other one drops. And so really the best way to do multiple schools is to be able to step out of it all together, not be a key employee at any of them, and be able to oversee all of them. So that way you can continually train the staff and oversee them, which helps you better duplicate your results. Okay, so, so then the first step would be to really remove yourself from your first, from your first school? Right. You have to get a, get a strong team there and a, and a good head instructor and a good management team there. Okay, so and what would your what would your advice be for someone trying to do that? I mean, especially if you are the star of the school, right. so you're the main attraction. Everybody wants to train with you. How do you how do you step back and not be the center of attention without disrupting your entire student base? Right, and that that's the tricky part. But this is how you do it. And we've had to do this several times when we've moved head instructors, and then I had to do it myself when I stepped out of my main school is you bring in your, your assistant instructor who works alongside of you and you start to move them into the more leadership role of the school. So you have them start to run more drills and be in charge of more things while you're still on the floor with them, but you're slowly tra transferring that power over to them. And then your students start to get used to that person being in charge, but you're still on the floor, so they don't even realize anything's going on. And then as that person starts to run things, you start being involved less and less and less and eventually you just kind of disappear and the students are now already set on the new on your replacement and, and hardly even realize that you that you left. All right. Now 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 doing that, do you have sort of like a set time frame that you that you go by or you just judge it on on what feels on the feeling within the within the class? Feeling it's important, but a lot of times you have a time frame that you have to get it done by. Um, you can do it within three to six months. Um, you could even do it in three as long as, as long as you have, the, the whole key is having a strong person that's taking your place. You know, if you're going to replace yourself with, with a brand new instructor who isn't very good at teaching yet, it's not going to work very well. You, you've got to have that team member that you've already built up who can pretty much run things very similarly, or at least just, it's going to be their personality, but can run things just as strong and smoothly as you did um, to make that easy transition. And, and I think that's the whole key. Um, you know, we always say, anybody who says they want to open multiple locations, we always tell them not to. Because <laughs> it's a lot of work. <laughs> but we love it. I mean, it's fun. But my husband and I, we don't like, we don't like uh, downtime. We don't like to not be busy. We like to work hard. Um, and we love seeing the, the growth of our team and and seeing the results and watching their progression as we go through it. And we just feel, we like that we can affect so many more people with the multiple locations. But you gotta, you gotta be ready for it. Don't do it without people ready, or it won't work. You have to have people ready, and you have to be good at training a staff to do that. Awesome, okay, so Robin, so let's just look at the devil's advocate. So, devil's advocate position. So, if you, you I mean, in, <laughs> So, so you're investing all this time into this instructor to take your place. 
do you ever have you ever felt the risk of that person could just say well hey i've got all this student base and i hear about this all the time happening with schools that they've they've put all this focus on this one instructor and that just instructor decides hang on i'm just going to go run off and open my school next door or you know within the right. same reach and there goes all your student base have you has that ever happened to you and if not how do you combat that scenario I Glad you asked that question. Has it ever happened to us? Yes. And that's why we know how to do it right now so it doesn't happen again. <laughs> so, and actually, it happened to my husband back, uh, it was when I first met him. He, um, he had gone away to China for a month uh, to train at the Shaolin Temple. And while he was gone, he had a businessman whisper in his head instructor's ear that, hey, you can do this on your own. And when he came back from China, his student had moved quarter mile down the street and solicited all the students. Now they didn't all go, but a handful of them did. And, and of course, because the head instructor is who they're used to, you know, they're going to follow their head instructor. That's who they're connected to and who they want to train under. Um, and so the way we prevent that from happening, we haven't had that happen since. So it's been 20 years now since that's happened. Um, so what do we do different is uh, we pay our guys well. Um, we, we have it set up with a, a high performance pay scale. We set this up as a career job um, where they're going to make more working for us than if they went out on their own because we do all the business side for them. They get to do the fun side of just teaching, but we pay them well for it. And they see that. They see it. They appreciate it. They see the value. And uh, why would they go? We even offer, we allow them to uh, purchase their school and own it anytime they want so they can run it up. And uh, our top guy right now, uh, we said, well, why don't you why don't you own your school? You could own it now, and, and you make more owning it, but you have more responsibility. And he said, why would I want to do that? He said, I'm perfectly happy with my pay. I'm getting paid well, and you guys do all the hard stuff while I get to do the fun. So, so I think that's the key is is paying them well and making it a career a career paying job for them. It's a high paying career job. We actually have a, my brother in law who's an engineer. Um, our our top our top manager is making close to what an engineer would make. Fantastic. So let's let's explore the hard stuff. So so the, the instructor's got the easy part to take take over the school and run the school, um, but you are doing the hard stuff. Now, what, what do you classify as the hard stuff? The hard stuff is marketing, uh, putting the marketing plans together, um, which our main marketing, our uh, festivals, you know, getting into all the community and school festivals. We actually work with 80 elementary schools between our organization. And my job is to research all of their websites, their PTO websites, and see what events they have going on that we can be part of and getting those booked for everybody. Um, we run the Facebook ads. Um, well, we hire a company to run those for us, but we're, you know, getting those going. And um, any of the marketing we, we set up for them. So they don't, their, their responsibilities for the marketing side is following up with the people that we send in. So we send them in, you sign them up, <laughs> you know, so they're in charge of signing them up. But we give them a real easy six-week quick start program to try to make the sign-up process really easy. Um, and I apologize, I just got a low battery warning on my phone. So <laughs> hopefully we, we'll get this done before the battery dies. Awesome. Um, I know. I know. Uh, we do all the payroll, all the bills. Um, uh, we're responsible for all the leases. You know, they, they aren't responsible financially for anything. They could just up and walk away anytime they wanted. Um, we, we've got the responsibility of all of that. 
Um, we put their calendars together, uh, all the staff training. Um, we put together they uh, inventory orders, but we put together the list that tell them what to order and how much to order of everything, how often to order. Um, say those are probably the we, we do all the numbers and the stats. You know, I know a lot of people don't like doing those, so we do those for you. <laughs> and uh, um, I think those would be the main things that I would classify as the hard stuff. Okay, so so to combat the battery life, <laughs> as a last couple of questions. Firstly, let's let's just chat uh, about the main event. So I'll be heading over to San Diego in April, depending when you listen or listen to this or watch this uh, this episode. What can people expect at a I mean, there's, there's always events happening in the martial arts space. Um, I guess some good, some bad, um, or good, I'd rather say good and not so good. What, what would you say is different from the main event to other industry events? I would say that there's two main things that are going to be different. Our top one is that it is a smaller event. It's not overpacked, which allows you to network more with people. So it's a more personal intimate event to where you're going to have time to actually interact with people and get to know people and you develop those connections and those friendships um, and you actually have time to talk to the speakers and the speakers will talk back to you um, so you can ask them questions outside of their their seminars um, and I think that that personal interaction um, people have that's been their top takeaway also that they've really enjoyed with that um, with it being smaller too, our teams that we take get to interact um, get to know get, they develop friendships so they develop friendships with people all over the country who do the same thing that they do. And I know they really appreciate that and, and building those friendships. Um, and then number two would be our speakers. A uh, big thing we tell our speakers, whatever you're talking on, make sure you give all the information on it. You can't just be trying to sell something. Um, and then we're, we're very particular on, on uh, who the speakers are and what their content is to make sure it's really valuable content and that you'll walk away with things that you could actually implement immediately when you get back to your school. All right, cool. And what, what can we be expecting from you, Robin? <laughs> I can do anything. <laughs> so I think one of my main topics this year has been um, leading your team to excellence or leading your students to excellence and, and working both of those. So leading your team to excellence and leading your students to excellence and uh, talking about um, what it takes to do that and how you have to really pull it out of them. You can't just tell them to do something. you got to get in there, get in their face and pull it out of them. And, um, and lead them to that excellence. Um, and that's going to create that passion in the martial arts that they need to have to, to want to give it their all in their training and achieve that black belt. And then same with, with our teams and our staff is teaching them how to be excellent, con continuously training them and teaching them how to um, get the most out of their students as they're teaching those because so it's that domino effect. Um, I know those have been my big topics this year. Um, I'm trying to think of the... I can't think off the top of my head what the business one has been this year. Um, but we always talk about marketing. Um, I know that's a big one for everybody of, of how to get students in the door. Um, I think even more important that is how to keep the students, and that's been a big thing um, we just talked about in our uh, manager meeting Monday. Uh, it, if you're not keeping your students, it does no good to keep them in the door or to get them in the door. You need to, to keep them. And how do you keep them? they got to want it. they got to love how they feel when they're in class. They have to leave every class saying, man, that was the best thing ever. You know, that was an awesome class. And if you leave with that feeling every day, then you're, you're not going to quit. And so really the feeling that they get when they're in, when they're in class, it's, it's that simple. It, the feeling they have when they're in class is what's going to keep them training and uh, not quitting their training, keeping training to black belt and beyond black belt.
Fantastic. Awesome. Robin, it's been great speaking with you. Is there any last words? Any, um, uh, maybe, maybe going back to the beginning of the conversation, <laughs> any, any last words uh, about running the show? Um, anything you want to add? Yeah, I love my life. I love my job. Um, I feel we're really lucky to be able to live in this positive little bubble with everything bad going out there in the world. We aren't a part of it. We don't have to be a part of it. We get to offer um, anybody who wants to, to come into our walls and experience the same positive and, and um, I hate to say happy place, but you know, this is, this is a safe, positive environment where you feel good about yourself, where you're accepted, where you're loved. And uh, we just get to be a part of that all the time. And, and we get to completely keep ourselves isolated from all the, the bad that's out there. And I just feel so blessed that we get to do that. And as we go around and meet these other martial artists, I feel we get to meet the best people in the world and become friends with the best people in the world. And, and having these events just help us to grow that network and helps all of us to join together and, and have that same, same type of relationship and same type of feeling to protect us from the bad that's out there. And we get to just focus on the good. I love that. Fighting the good fight. Yep. <laughs> Make, making the good difference. <laughs> all right, awesome. Robin, thanks a lot for, for speaking with me today. And for anybody that's interested in the main event, you can head to the-main-event.com and get some tickets there. And if not, if, if you're listening to this later, um, you know where to go find. You can get more information about future events and things going on with the De Palmas and everyone else. Awesome. Robin, thanks a lot. I will see you in about a month. Sounds good. All right, thanks. Thanks. See ya. Awesome. Thanks for listening and thank you, Robin. If you're getting great value out of this show, please give us a review. A five-star review would be, of course, more than awesome. Um, if you're listening on iTunes, you can go through the podcast app which is the purple little app button you can access it through there um, any other device would be android type of device probably through stitcher um, same thing and then if if not if you're watching this through the video or anywhere else do um yeah just leave us review anywhere you can cool if you need any help with your marketing digital marketing facebook ads google ads seo websites all this technical stuff that most people hate and we eat for breakfast you can <laughs> you can visit us on martialartsmedia.com and happy to have a chat send us a message and we'll see if we can help you grow your business awesome have a great week i'll speak to you soon cheers will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening. If you need help building your martial arts school, check out martialartsmedia.com. 